All right, good morning, everybody. Mike Courtney here, Mass Mutual Eastern PA. Beautiful early spring Wednesday morning here in southeastern Pennsylvania. And I am joined by my friend and counterpart, Steve Parisi from IBC. Steve, how are you today? Fantastic, my friend. It is beautiful up in northeastern Pennsylvania as well. Yeah, I always forget <laughs> we're not we're not really in the same part of Florida. Ah, whatever. Um, <laughs> so we're talking about a case that Steve and his team were working on. And I just want to flip it over to Steve, maybe just give us a little summary. And, uh, you know, hopefully this discussion helps you with some cases, whether you're in competition or um, working on trying to rescue an old policy or have a client coming in with some questions. So what do we got here, Steve? Yeah, definitely. It is a case, a type of case that we run into all the time. Um, and it is something that is beneficial for consumers if you're interested in a policy to hear about and also agents so the situation is someone reached out to us recently looking at a larger policy six figures per year is what they're considering paying in they had just just started a policy with a different agent different life insurance company and they had reached out to us because they're questioning that right they want to know hey is this set up properly here's what i want to do here's what i got and they outright asked, was this set up where the other agent made a lot of money off of me? So it was a situation like we looked at the policy soon as our associate told me what the premium was. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't set up for the highest cash value. It was set up for a higher commission. And when we get a case like that, where someone wants to know, were they taken advantage of? That might not be the best way to phrase it because I doubt an agent is deliberately doing that, but that's how a consumer feels. When we get a case like that, what I don't want to do is automatically assume that the agent just tried to sell a high commission product because I, I hate when that stuff goes on. Yeah, yeah, that's a bad, because that's the message. I feel like that's the negative messaging Yeah, um, the rest of financial services about permanent life insurance and whole life Correct. in general. Like that's the, I feel like that's the battle I'm always fighting people. Oh, I heard it's, you know, people sell that because it's huge commissions. Like, no, yeah, it's, you know. Correct. And it, it can be. I mean, it's all relative yeah. to that, that premium piece. So, I mean, the name of the game, if you want to maximize cash value, especially based on guarantees, is minimizing that premium as much as you can, maximizing the paid up additions rider based on the rules of the game, the insurance company and IRS limits. And that gives the policyholder more cash value. Now, what it also does is minimize the agent's compensation upfront and renewal. However, you got to look at it and say, what is the consumer interested in? If they're interested in product A and I try and sell them product B or A with a spin on it that doesn't give them what they want, that's where the problem lies in my mind. So it's like, all right, treat them how you want to be treated, be transparent, do the right thing and the money comes. So with that situation, where it gets delicate is you've got a, a business owner who's just very direct, hey, is this what was done to me? And it's like, all right, how do you tell him yes? You could say, all right, yes, it was set up differently how we would set it up. The premium is higher and such. Here's what you could do. But I'm going to avoid, under all circumstances possible, mentioning anything about that other agent, whatever with the policy, like here's what we could do better. And then if the consumer wants to address anything with that other agent, they can. It's rare that they do. But again, I've seen way too many times where agents will, instead of showing an improved product or what they offer, 
they just attack the other person or the other product. That's not the way it should be done. And again, that's my opinion, but like, don't do that. If the consumer is interested in a product and service, show the product and service, and that should speak for itself. Right. And, you know, we talked before about, you know, the reality is I work on, um, you know, endless cases where a ALIR, Lister, max cash value blend is not the desired goal, yeah. is not um, what we end up going with. And I can assure you that um, I have very little, if any, conversations about compensation during right. the design of those cases, you know? So in what kind of scenario, you know, I mean, this is something that, that we talk about all the time, but there are certain situations, I think, where an all base premium design is more advisable. But you made a great point when we were talking about this. Like, you know, I'm working on a case we're solving for, um, let's call it a pension need, okay? I've got a high net worth client who wants to generate X amount of dollars of supplemental retirement income over a certain period of time during retirement years. And we were going with an all-based design. Now, you would agree with me that all-based design can yield the same or more income out of a policy if you if you used it in that way. But, you know, the, the, the pundits for um, infinite banking or max cash accumulation would say that your type of design is going to provide a lot more premium flexibility throughout the years. And if if the time frame is a very long time frame, that that product is going to that base premium is going to be very sensitive to the dividend, yeah. whereas the paid up additions and the lesser rider are not as sensitive to the dividend. C correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's a good point because. So, and sorry. So that's a long kind of rambling way of saying that if I'm an agent looking at a policy that was just issued, it's not so easy for me to sit there and say, this was done the right way. This was done the wrong way. This, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into this in the other agent's defense. C correct. And this can be a delicate situation for all parties involved um, based on the present when you're having a conversation with the client and then also the future. So in a case like that, where someone is being sold an all base premium policy, their proposed whole life insurance for perhaps estate planning, and then the pension need as you described, which could be 30 years from now, I'm going to take an income stream of whatever, 100 grand per year from the policy. The thing is, I can go with that policy, I can go all base premium, or I can max it with a minimum premium and maximum cash value, and aside from what I'll see up front, 30 years down the road, that income will be relatively similar when I look at the non-guaranteed side of the illustration. Guarantees will tell a different story, but just on the surface, it's going to look similar there. So in cases like that, what I have experienced over the years is often people have been sold whole life because they were first exposed to it with a planner and it's for the pension, the retirement income down the road. That's why they took it out. And they said, hey, sounds good. They don't do much research. They don't ask many questions. And the advisor sells a, a flat vanilla whole life insurance policy. Easy. 
10 years All late. Line here is probably in that situation is yeah, here's the premium you have to pay. Here's going to be your annual income for X amount of years. Correct. So here's the hard part for agents. We encounter cases like that where someone reaches out to us, a client, several years after they've started the policy. What happened is maybe someone told them, why did you put money into whole life insurance? They start to do research. They somehow find us. They reach out and they say, here are my policies. What do you think? So it's like, all right, that the design is different how we would design them because they say we want maximum cash value. We want income down the road. They usually don't disclose what the original plan was, right? Maybe they forgot, but that, that's rare that that's the case, which yeah. puts the original agent in a difficult spot there. Um, but my point is they reach out and say, hey, could this have been improved? Could this have been done any better? I see I have zero cash value in the beginning. Is that normal? Some of the examples I see from you guys, you've got 90% cash value in the first year. Why wasn't I shown that? Not sold that, but shown that often we hear. So that's really where I'll spend a lot of time training saying, okay, when you get these kind of conversations, don't beat up the other agent, right? It's rare that people are even trained, agents are even trained on how to design policies for maximum cash value because it takes a lot of time to learn. And how many sales managers view it is you're going to spend all this time training and reduce your compensation by 80 to 90% of what it could have been. It's like from a business standpoint, how many people want to do that? But going back well, to- What make for a more confusing- Yeah. You know, the, the mechanics of, of that whole life policy design- Yeah. Sometimes they're not real logical. I, yeah. No, it I- It takes I, a certain kind of brain- to even want to try to understand that. So, I mean, I've been in a lot of I've worked, been in a lot of rooms with clients where, you know, you, you get a couple of different kinds of clients. There's a lot of the folks that you, that I feel like you and your team deal with are very analytical, want to tear things apart, and you know, see see how things work. And but they're going to follow through on that. Like they're really going to figure it out and ask questions and and get to the root of everything. Correct. You get other people who like to ask questions, but really aren't all that interested in learning about this, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. but they want to feel like they've done their due diligence. So they will ask questions, but they're not really retaining any of the info. And then there's a lot of other people who just are like, you know, this is what you do. I have my business and I'm trusting in you to provide the right, the right vehicle. Here. Yeah. Most people don't want to find out that they got sold a, a bad deal or something could have been different, done differently that gave them significantly more value. Right. So going back um, to the example where I can take a policy all base versus minimum base, maximum PUA, and have similar income down the road, the objection that sometimes comes up when someone brings that all base policy to us is, is they'll say, okay, like if my income's gonna be about the same 30 years from now, why would I not take the option that gives me more money upfront and stronger guarantees, not to mention the flexibility so I can more scale payments up and down? Premium. Yeah. yeah, like why would I not do that? Right. And that's where it can be, yeah, again, a sensitive subject for an agent because you've got the whole premium, the compensation, how that works. Are they going to disclose that or not? So for me- You're presented like, with those two options as a yeah. consumer. I'm probably going to pick, 
more flexibility um, and uh, earlier cash value. Yeah, and I particularly like those options on the topic of flexibility. Like if I'm if I'm putting a hundred grand per year in, and I've got all base premium, if something happens a few years into the policy, two or three, I'm in trouble where I can lose a large amount of money of what I've paid into the policy. Yeah. Whereas whereas if I had a ten thousand dollar base premium and I'm stuffing ninety grand per year into PUAs, and life happens two or three years in. We can stop funding that policy altogether, paying zero, and see it continue to appreciate value of a positive cash value, often even based on the guarantees if you do things properly. So it protects you from that life happens scenario and such. So th- this is me purely like an opinion how I look at it because um, we'll never tell an agent, you should do it this way. I, I hate when people do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but how I look at it is, okay, if I'm the consumer knowing what I know, being an insurance nerd, which option would I want? And for me, if I'm showing someone something, after I've had a conversation with them and such, I'm gonna look at the situation and say, you know what? Like, I can't not show them this option based on everything they showed. I'm not gonna be able to sleep at night. Um, And those kind of situations too, like that's where I've, in my early years, have been in you know training rooms or in case prep rooms or someone to look at it and say no 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 it's all the same long term so this is the option we're going to show because it produces more compensation like don't even show the other option I'm like uh, all right I mean that's not what I would want yeah then, that's all the same right yeah but I mean that kind of stuff goes on in the industry uh, for a number well, of and reasons. it's funny because that kind of stuff goes on in the industry and it's also there is some validity to that yeah in that. You know, you got someone out there who's trying to make a living and trying to focus on good solutions that also are, you know, going to pay the bills. Right. And trying to get things done quickly. And that doesn't always mean that you took advantage of someone or, um, you know, I mean, thinking about it this way, you know, if you sell somebody a, a, a mutual company whole life policy that's all base premium that's you know yeah you can't say you sold them a a, a, a bag of goods you know <laughs> right right i'm with you there and also the timing's important like if someone's hat has a policy in force for a couple of years even if it was set up the opposite of how we would we would typically set it up if it's in force for a couple of years and we look at it and say hey we looked at a 1035 exchange analysis we looked at potential policy changes Nothing produces more value unless you said, hey, I just want a lot more flexibility. Right. Like it it doesn't make sense because you're already so so far into it. We would recommend keeping it based on the numbers. And when when I make a statement like that and I say based on the numbers, we're looking at the guaranteed and non-guaranteed values, especially the guarantees when you're looking at any kind of abandoned ship scenario, getting rid of a policy or 1035 exchanging it. You got to look at that. Right. Well, I yeah. think something you said right at the beginning was really important uh, that, that kind of captures the the essence of all this or what you try to to train with your folks is the mentality is kind of, you know, this isn't what we would have done. Right. And here's why, as opposed to slinging mud, it's like, look, I can't speak exactly to yeah. what this advisor's business looks like or how he designs policies or what was going on specifically in this case, but here's what we would design and here's why. 
and you know inform the client and help them make their own decisions. I think that that's the right approach. Um, I know from a, a psychology standpoint, if you sling mud and use fear and try and just put the other person down or the other strategy down, that can sometimes be more effective from a time standpoint. It can scare yeah. someone away, and then you don't even have to talk about that. That just doubts or puts that seeds of doubt into right. the consumer's mind, and then they trust you. So, I mean, that's a tactic that's frequently used, I think, in all industries and sales in general. Um, I hate it, but it's it's used a lot because it's effective. So it's really just as you assess the situation, just look at it and treat the person how you would want to be treated. What what would you what would turn you off if something's said to you on the other side of the table, or if you're watching a movie and you see someone trying to use those types of tactics on a consumer, and you're like, oh, this person's no good. Look what they're trying to do. Yeah. Make sure you're not like that. Like, that's the big yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. It's important. Nice. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, if anybody wants to catch up about this scenario or, you know, any kind of, whether it's case design or positioning cases or how to handle enforced business, uh, as you can tell, Steve is one of the best of the best. And these are the type of issues that we help our brokers and our advisors work through day in and day out. Uh, happy to share some tips with you guys at any time if anybody wants to reach out. I'm Mike Courtney. This is Steve Parisi. Steve, thanks for your time. Have a great rest of the day. Likewise. Thanks so much, Mike. Enjoy. All right. Bye.